run, party, repeat. Welcome to the East Coast Adventures Dirt and Vert Podcast, where we talk all things running, racing, and training to help you get ready for your next big adventure. Learn from our successes and our failures and have fun at the same time. Join us right here every week with inspiring guests who share their captivating tales from the trails. And remember, nobody cares. Run faster. All right. Welcome back. This is East Coast Adventures with the Dirt and Vert Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Matt. And we got special guests today with us, Stephen Cornhoss. Y'all may know him from his YouTube channel or even from some of the ultra runs he's done. Steven's got quite a decoration of uh, races and medals. You can see that behind him if you're watching the video. But uh, Stephen, tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got into running. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you guys for having me on the podcast. Looking forward to catching up with you, David and Matt. It's been uh, been a while since I've seen you guys. Yeah. But uh, I'm Steven, Steven Kornhaas. Um, let's see, what a little bit about me. I was in the Army for a while, um, got out. I'm in the insurance industry, not a lot of fun, but I do that. Uh, father, uh, four kids. Uh, I'm a ultra runner. My wife's an ultra runner as well. Um, yeah, I love running, sharing my passion for it on my YouTube channel, and just uh, hopefully putting something on on the channel that helps people out in some way. So what branch of the military were you in? I was in the Army. Sweet. I was okay, actually so- a, uh, I was a tanker, so I was in the uh, M1A1 SEP V2 tanks. Ooh, I'm guessing that's not where your love for running come from. No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. I, uh, I started I trying to think about that when you asked me like where, I, how I started running and the start of running was probably in like 2005, maybe, uh, I think my sister got me into like a 5k and actually it was in Knoxville, Tennessee got me into a five. No, I'm sorry. That was in, um, it was in Asheville, North Carolina. I think it was the bell share 5k. It might've been my first actual race. Uh, I did that for a couple of years, the 5k 10k thing. Um, didn't do any half marathons at that point. And, um, let's see, gosh, yeah. I ran for a little bit off and on, got into the army and then they force you to run, you know, for PT. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I got out of the army in 2012 and I didn't want to do any running because I had been told I had to do it for four years. So, I took a couple years off and really didn't get back into running until kind of off and on, maybe 2015, but not seriously until probably 2017 is when I really got back into it pretty seriously and started doing, you know, half marathons. So you, you had like a long break then between the 5k and coming back into running then, cause you did the 5k in 2005, then joined the military, didn't run when you got out of the military. Yeah. So from 2012, I took a break till probably 2000, end of 2014, maybe beginning of 2015. So yeah, I took probably close to three full years just about off of running. I grew a beard because, you know, can't have those in the army and (laughs) stuff gets taken away from you. You, you bring it back as quick as you can. And usually a large dose, that's probably not, not the best. That's why why I got my beard. I'll work exactly. with them. I have the beard and I'll switch departments and whoosh, here it <laughs> there is. You go. And that's a heck of a beard too. That's one you've been growing for a while. Yeah. So, four, four years, five years. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, what made you decide to step back into running doing the half marathons? Um, I had a buddy of mine. Uh, he's actually run 
he's run no business a couple of years. You guys probably know him, Lee Tinch. Um, mm -hmm. We started doing some, uh, like we did a relay together. Him and uh, my brother-in-law invited me to do a relay out in Oregon called the, um, oh shoot, what's it called? Cascade Lakes Relay. And it was just a road relay where we ran, you know, maybe 20 miles tops, you know, as, as a part of a team. And did that and just kind of got hooked on running again and got into the half marathon. I ran, I think, three road road half marathons all in uh, Tennessee. You know, I did the um, Santa Hustle. I've done the, I can't even remember the ones I've done now. They're all in Tennessee, just half marathons. And then got uh, got a, uh, somebody sent me a video of Billy Yang's to watch from YouTube. And it was a, the, the Y the one where he ran Leadville in like 2015 or 16 and awesome, awesome video. I watched that and that kind of put the bug in my ear of wanting to get into trails and ultras. And that's kind of what started it all. Honestly, was a YouTube video. Well, I mean, I think almost everybody at some point has watched a Billy Yang video or movie. Right? I mean, they're pretty good. You know, I, I enjoy oh, it's it. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Rob. So, all right. So I'm sitting here looking at your very first race then. So are your first ultra, I should say. And and maybe you ran one before this because I do know some people have their ultras that are not on ultra sign up. Mm -hmm. You know, they may have done run sign up or somewhere, but usually I start with, with uh, ultra sign up. But I see you started with Ozone Endurance Challenge 24 hours. That's right. And that was you, the first one. And went right to 100 miles. Yeah. So pretty impressive. I went from running a half marathon as my furthest race. And then in training, I did a marathon actually at Hall Ridge Park there in Knoxville. I mm -hmm. did a, a training marathon run and that was the furthest I'd ever run. And then I went, I was planning to go 50 miles at the Ozone Endurance Challenge, the 24 hour. And then somebody put a bird in my ear, I mean, or a little bug in my ear. I mean, you guys probably know who Ray Krolowitz is, um, coach Ray, Ray mm -hmm. K, he's like yeah. ultra running legend. Um, I knew him from racing cars back in the day. Uh, his son and I raced cars together and he was always at the track, but he sent me a message on Facebook and was like, you know, you might as well just go for a hundred miles. It's only like a 14 minute pace. And so I put that in my back of my mind. I told my wife, I was like, you know, if things are going well, maybe I'll go for a hundred miles and I'll keep in mind, I only train for 50 miles. So mm -hmm. I, uh, <laughs> It went really well, though. It went really well. I hit 100 miles in 23 hours and I think 13 minutes, I believe. And I stopped because I got to my goal, 100 miles, stopped and paid the price for not training for 100 miles. I could not run for three weeks after that. Like, no joke. For three days, I couldn't stand up without, like, my wife like balancing me basically. Like I couldn't go to the bathroom, like stand up and pee in the toilet without my wife <laughs> holding my shoulder all over. I was, I was so, I paid the price. I was so undertrained, but man, it was a, it was an awesome experience. You, so you hate yourself for about three days after that. And then you're back on ultra sign up thinking I can find something else. I can do it again. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely looking, so uh, looking for the next race. I know this is a hard question to like go back to 2018 and talk about this, but what was the hardest part of that race? Like, I mean, you go from a half marathon to doing a 24 hour, hundred miler. Some people probably still haven't even ran a 2400 yeah. or 24 hour, hundred miler, you know? Um, so that's pretty good to start out like that right off the bat to hit a hundred miles in under 24 hours. Mm -hmm. What, what kind of demons did you 
face out there. Honestly, like looking back, I mean, that race just, it went really well. I don't know if it was my naivety or naivete, however you say it in the sport, you know, my showing my true rookie colors of being the first time I'd ever run longer than maybe six hours, five, six hours. Mm-hmm. Um, it went well. I mean, I made all the mistakes during the race that you make. I mean, I, I was taking uh, naproxen for, uh, for uh, swelling. You know, I was taking... Um, <laughs> I was drinking so much tailwind, so much sodium. I was taking salt pills. I was, I, by the time I finished that race, my ankles were like this big around. They were swollen from so much sodium intake and just lack of training. Uh, but during the race though, I think the hardest time was probably around mile 74 ish. Maybe I started getting a, a bad hamstring cramp. And, um, luckily that race, uh, you know, it was put on by Will Jorgensen. It's not, they don't do that race anymore, but they mm-hmm. had a, uh, physical therapist on site. And so I went mm-hmm. to the, the main, the main aid station there. Cause it's a loop, a two mile loop around a lake, pretty, pretty flat. Uh, but I went there, the physical therapist worked on me for probably 20 minutes. I think I actually fell asleep on the table while she was working on me. Um, and then I got back out there. And I remember the hamstring cramp was gone, but then like after I got to like 80 miles, I just felt that my shins were on fire, that they were gonna break in half. Like I'd never had pain like that before in my shins. Like something was wrong. Like I was breaking my bones is what I felt like. Um, but I, I pushed on and kept going and my brother-in-law paced me. He had never run more than I think maybe, maybe 20 miles tops. And he paced me for like a marathon. At the, at the end of it. Um, it was just a, an awesome experience. It went, I really didn't have any dark demons. Like I didn't get any real low, sp- low spots, like mentally. Um, it just went really well aside from me thinking my shins were going to fall off. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. So you know, no major stomach issues, anything like that? Nothing. No, I had no stomach discomfort whatsoever. I, I ate fine. My, this was before we went plant-based. So my wife actually went out at some point to uh, a Hardee's and got me a, a burger and some fries. I remember eating that. She got me some mashed potatoes and like steak from the, uh, the aid station. They, they, they cook real nice food there. And uh, I had that at one point, you know, lots of tailwind, a whole lot of tailwind. Uh, but it was, <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it went surprisingly well for being so uh, new to the sport. <laughs> he had an iron stomach from the start. Yeah. No, no kidding. I've always been blessed with that. I was going to say that's, that's a game changer. It is. So you, you do your first 24 hour race, you get a hundred miles, your first place overall. So that's definitely a way to start out your ultra career here. Um, yeah. And then you move into, uh, looks like you did some different things. You did the Cloudland Canyon 50 K Georgia death yep. race, uh 68 miler. Uh, was that the, did you do it the year before or after me and Kevin did? Cause I remember you crewed Kevin. I think it was before it was before Kevin. So I did it in 2019 and that was when they actually still started in Vogel and oh, the that's year right. after we did it during the COVID year. Y'all started at that farm just outside of Vogel. And, um, yeah, I believe so. But yeah, I think it was, I think you guys were the year after in COVID. So it looks like you, uh, you had 20 hours there, which is pretty good for Georgia death race. You know, most people, uh, I, I know when I signed up for that race, my goal was just, one speed, try to finish. Like I wasn't racing it. Um, cause I didn't know what it was. I just heard all the horror stories. I was like, Oh, here we go. 
Yeah, I was the same way. I really had no time goal. I want I mean, I wanted to get under, I think it was 23 was the Western States cutoff. And that, that was my goal just to get my Western States qualifier. And so I went into that just kind of with that goal. That was it. And it went okay. I mean, if I went back now, I know I could do so much better. I mean, just so, so much better. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's a pretty, pretty good trail to run. It's, it's definitely got the elevation. I mean, it lives up to the hop on the elevation. No doubt. Yeah, it really how does. Much, yeah. How much elevation does that have? It's, it's like 16. Uh, yeah. I was going to say the year that I did it, we, we, I think we only ended up with like 65 or 68 miles, but we had almost 18,000 feet elevation. Oh, wow. Because, yeah, when because, I... because they had to cut. We did like an out and back, if I remember right, because of COVID, we couldn't do the original course. So yeah. we, ended up, we ended up with less miles, but more elevation. I think when I did it, it was 70, 71 miles and like 16,600, I believe. Was what it was. That according to my Garmin, yeah. Yeah. I, which course does he do now? Is it still the out and back? I wonder. I'm I'm not ever. Went to I it. I honestly don't know what he's doing right now. Yeah, I don't know. All right, so let's jump on forward here. So we got uh, you got a 15k half marathon. Then you do the Barkley Fall Classic. Yeah, um, did that twice. Yep. Now that's a nostalgic race. How did how did that go? It went pretty well. I mean, yeah. I did really. I did really well um, both years. The first year I did it was 2019, and um, that was tough. I mean, I think I finished in 10 hours and 20-ish minutes, maybe, I think, something like that. Um, I could be wrong. You, have, you probably have it there in front of yeah, you. Yeah, your, 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 your first time was 11-18. 11-18, yeah. 11-18. Okay, so the second year was 10-20, I believe. So. Yep, exactly. 10-17, um, Adam. But I think both years I finished – like 30th or 31st, something like that. I mean, within the top 40, I believe. Yeah. Um, I can't remember, but it went well. I mean, I remember that first year I was cramping like crazy coming down um, Meth Lab Hill. I was cramping so bad. And I just thought I wasn't going to like, wasn't even going to be able to finish it. So to be able to finish was just, that was awesome. And yeah. Well, and when, when you do, and that's what I was getting ready to say, like, you know, when you do that race, you're not running a 50 K like, you know, yeah. when you sign up, it's going to be almost 40 miles. Cause that's usually, it usually ends up between 35 to 40 miles. You're going to go up rat jaw two or three times. Yep. It's going to be pain. I mean, both years I did it, it was like 35, 36 miles. Cause I put it into Gaia GPS afterwards, the route and, you know, just guesstimated. And it was, uh, both years about 13,000 feet of elevation gain too. So it's a, it's a serious oh, wow. race. Yeah. Oh, it's an yeah. adventure race is what it ends yeah, up being. Not, yeah, it's not a trail race. No, it's it's more of an adventure race. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you make it out of there not bleeding, that is like well, that's, that's all the that's all the pictures I see is everybody's got, you know, all these gloves and all this stuff and there's blood everywhere. And you're like, well, okay. oh, yeah. I lost my gloves, so that was a huge mistake. Yeah. Second time up rat jaw, but oof. what year did you do it? Uh, I did it, I think two, two or three years ago. It's been a little while. I think I might've done it in okay. 21. Okay. 2020 was the year they only allowed veterans to come back because it was COVID. So you, you couldn't be a virgin. You had to have completed it and gotten a Croy at least once. And so hmm. I went back, I didn't even sign up for the race, but he posted in the, the Barkley group, he posted that, Hey, they still need some more people. And I was like, well, I mean, I've got a Croy. I'll do it again. And he said, okay. So they let me in like two weeks to the race. 
Um, so I did that and got it, got it done. That was, that was a tough year. I think I finished better there, but it was, it was fun. It's, it's always, I mean, that race is always fun and you can always expect bad weather. It's going to rain or something. Or be crazy hot. (laughs) Yeah. I think I got stung by yellow jackets. You got to do it at least once. Maybe one time. Yeah. You got, I mean, it's just nostalgic. It's cool. I got, I got a few years to figure that out. Um, And then you (laughs) Even in this race, like you question yourself because it's still not marked. Yeah. You're like, if you're not yeah, familiar I mean, with the area, you're, you know, there was a couple of times I stopped and I'm like, I don't see anybody. <laughs> the only, the only time we had an issue with navigation was in uh, 2020. And this was with just veterans. Um, so we were coming down testicle spectacle and there was a turnoff to the left that we were supposed to go to like, um, there's a church down there. We were supposed to go to get like water supply and we missed the turn. There was literally a sign that was put like there, but when we came back, but we went maybe 200 yards past it and we're, it was me and three other guys. We're start looking around like, this doesn't seem right guys. I think we've gone too far. So we pulled out the little uh, cloth map and looked at where we were and we, so we, we all made the choice to go back. And sure enough, there was a sign in the ground laying down. So we picked it up and put it back in and found where we were supposed to go but yeah that was that was the only time we got off and every everywhere else on that at least the two years i ran it there were rangers at or volunteers at like every major intersection where you could probably get lost and so it was really like they took some of the i thought took some of the fun or the difficulty out of it where if you had never been to frozen head state park before you could probably go there just fine and do the race i mean they might have made it more difficult now but it was, uh, I was surprised. I was actually really disappointed. They had somebody up by the garden spot <laughs> sitting at the, the main turnoff where people always get lost at the garden spot. They had someone there and like, oh no, go this way. I'm like, what the heck? Why did I, <laughs> come on now. Yeah, that's the fun part is getting lost sometimes. I know, right? Handing down and so going. See, there is a, um, a pattern here of uh, weird names of oh, these, yeah. these hills. Oh. oh yeah. So what are, what are some of those? That's just... I mean, I don't know if Laz named them or if that's the names that people have given them, but they they are very fitting for that race. Yeah, hmm. it's all after Barclay, so it's just all taken from Barclay. So, yeah, you've got yeah. Testicle so, Spectacle, so Meth Lab like, Hill. Yeah, Rat Jaw is like the big I've heard I've heard of Rat Jaw, but then he said a couple that I've never heard of. Well, <laughs> I'm trying to remember which one. Testicle Spectacle is the one where – there's no way to go down it hardly if it's raining without sliding down it. Yeah. yeah. And literally, literally the year that I did it, it was poor. It flooded. I mean, it was just raining everywhere. And, and you would see couples, like there was couples trying to do this race together and they were holding hands and like they were sliding together and he would like, they were trying to hold each other and she ended up going off one side of the cliff and he went off the other and they were like screaming for each other. And it was, and I can't remember. I was with, I might've been with Rick, but it, it was so funny. Cause I just look over and we, me and him just start laughing and he videos it. And it's one of his videos <laughs> on Facebook. It's like them two, a couple, we didn't even know. You just see them sliding apart on each side of the mountain and they're just screaming. <laughs> like, <"No." laughs> but it's, it is so slick. Like there is no, no and it's crazy. The names are fitting for, you know, mm, what you're yeah. doing. Yeah. What was your, what was your hardest part of Barkley? You think? Uh, hmm. Barkley Fall Classic, the second year. So the when it was just the veterans, 
I was in the lead group of four people going up Ratjaw. So there was one guy who was like probably a good 20 minutes ahead of us. And then it was three of us, um, me, Kevin McCabe, and I cannot remember the other guy's name, but we were going up Ratjaw together. So we were the ones breaking trail, clearing the tunnel through the briars. And we caught up with the guy that was in the lead. Uh, and it was just the four of us literally taking turns, maybe two or three minutes at a time, somebody would go through and get all the briars all over you and push, make the tunnel, then I tag, you're it. And then somebody else would do it. And it took us, it took us about an hour and 45 minutes to get up rat jaw the first time. Cause we were clearing the briars. And then the second time we went up, it was like 50 minutes to getting up it. So I'd say that first time up was the most difficult for sure. Mm. Yeah. I would hate to be out front in that race. I think I'd yeah. stay back just because of that. That's one where it would pay to wait to be back in the back yep. until the until the first time up. <laughs> it, that race for me was kind of like Ball State. I was like, I just want to do it once. Yeah, you know, I just want to do it once. So like, I just enjoyed it. <laughs> it was kind of like Georgia Death Race. I was like, I don't really know what to expect. So I'm just gonna run it. And then with, I was the same way with. Barkley Fall Classic. Ball State, I had higher hopes, but we know how that went. <laughs> That's a long way. A lot can happen. <laughs> yeah. Happened in the first day. Mm. We had to regroup for the next four. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you, at this point, you've done 50Ks, 100 milers. You've done Barkley Fall Classic, which I almost consider that an adventure run. Uh, but then in 2020, you do your first last man standing. That's right. And uh, uh, this race, obviously all three of us know about, but yep. tell us a little bit about this event. And, uh, you know, you, you ended up being the last man standing, uh, in this, yep. this is a very unique format. So if you don't care, I'm sure some of the people listening have heard us talk about LC Enduro, but, uh, Steven is actually the very first winner. I believe that was the very mm -hmm. first inaugural yep. year. So. That's right. The year before you won. Yeah. Tell us. So tell That's us right. about the race. And, uh, I'm sure this was being your last man's first last man standing. You probably went through some hard times in this one. Yeah, I did. Uh, it, so this is different than most last man standing. Most of them are 4.167 miles where this one is two and a half miles mm -hmm. and we have 40 minutes for the loop. So you want to come back in and allow yourself enough time to get aid before you go back out. And so my goal for that was to come back in about 32 minutes every time. And I did that probably until the last two loops, maybe uh, I was really consistent, did really, really well. And of course we had a good year weather wise. We didn't have to deal with the flooding issues down low where the course gets you know washed out or any of that nonsense. So we had, we had really good weather. It was, it was very cold though. I remember it being in the, in the twenties. Uh, I believe it was very cold um that was the first year of the race uh i did win it but we, it was i mean we only went i think i have to look at my well it's on the other side of the trophy i think it's 62 and a half miles yeah um so not very far for a for a last man standing but it was like eleven thousand feet of elevation gain so it's yeah it, there's a lot of climbing in those two and a half miles there is um, Ron, i was gonna i was gonna say that it's not the distance that makes this race so no hard. The, no it's the, the uh and the the mountain at the very end. Yeah. Like, either way. Yeah. So it would be the counterclockwise direction for me when you come up that backside that that climb, that was brutal towards the end. I remember when you know I had my trekking poles out and that was 
that was tough. The other side, yeah. I seem to deal with that just fine going clockwise, but man, counterclockwise, that was, that was rough. And so, yeah, that was pretty early on in my ultra. I mean, I had done 200. Well, no, see, this was in um, February, 2020. So I'd only done the 100 miler uh, up yeah. to this point. And so uh, pretty early on. And I remember telling my crew who, you know, my buddy Lee was there, my wife, Kevin uh, was there, Kevin B. Shaw. I'm sure you guys know him. Mm-hmm. He was yeah. there. Um, they were crewing me. I remember coming in at, I think it was about 58 miles. And I told uh, Lee, I told Lee or I told Kevin, I can't remember who I told. I told one of them, I was like, guys, this is getting like tough. I don't know how much more I can go. And like my legs were just shot from the climbing because I didn't, you know, I hadn't been climbing that much. And uh, uh, they're like, I oh, just keep going, just keep, just keep going, man, you're doing great. And so I luckily I only had to go two more, <laughs> two more to win it. <laughs> but I remember the last loop I went out and Kyle, um, he was with me. He finished second, got the assist and we went out together and then I went out a little bit in front of him and we're just going on. And I came back in and I had no clue. Apparently he had gone out a little ways and turned around and came back. I had no clue. So I thought he was just a little bit behind me. So I come in getting ready to go out for the next loop. And there they are, everybody around the start finish holding up the trophy and like, you know, you're the last man standing. I was like, what? I was like, seriously? Like, I thought like, well, we got to go another one. But it was a good experience for sure. A learning experience. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yes. I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> My surprise. Yes. I will take it. I'm going to give them credit though. Like their last man standing awards are really cool. Like it really the, is. Yeah. The big block of wood and stuff. They're, they're, they're and cool. the, uh, and the, the swag you get for like going over 50 when I did it, it was a leather belt that was, uh, customized with your initials on it and like had the race logo. Wow. I still wear, I still wear that belt as my main belt when I go somewhere. It's awesome. Oh, wow. Yeah, they don't do yeah. that no more. They no. do. Uh, last few years, it's a if you go over fifty, you get a like hoodie, a, a hoodie, hoodie or, a, or a zip up jacket. And that was a nice looking jacket last year. I like that. Yeah. So, you got hopes to do that race again one day? I mean, maybe. Um, it's a fun you were, race. It's I was a little bit of a travel for you now. You were signed up for the twenty twenty three, weren't you? And then when you I moved- was. That's what I thought. Yeah, I was signed up for 2023 and just didn't work out with, you know, we moved. So um, I would have loved to have gone back and, and do that. It's one that there's not a whole lot of races that I'd like to do again, but that's one that I would like to do again, just cause, mainly because those guys are, they run such a good race. I, I don't know if you ever did the general 100 when they put that on. That mm-hmm. was a, a road relay, but that was, they just did such an awesome job. That was so much fun. That I, I would totally do that one again, but unfortunately they, they weren't able to put that one on anymore. Yeah, I, I'd never even heard of it. Yeah, they they are good. I mean, they're they're really yeah. good race directors. Oh, yeah, they I mean, always have good food. They've always got yeah. good swag. Um, got great volunteers, and it's a cool location. It is, you know. Yeah, it is. It is. Till it rains, we were able to actually camp there. We we, we uh, camped in the van the night before at the start finish area. They let us you know, pull in. They said the gate was closed. You just have to open it up and then shut it. And they let us, we had permission from them to do it. But uh, that was, that was awesome. They might not do that anymore now because the race has grown a bit since I did it in the first year, but it was yeah, fun. It'll keep growing too. It, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great it's, race. It really is. Mm-hmm. They, they're putting on something great there. It's fun. I'm, yeah. As much as I want to run it this year, I'm not going to, I shouldn't have ran it last year, but I did. So <laughs> mm. you got to go back and get another, uh, another W there. Yeah, I think, I think uh, that might be on the list for next year. The last year. two years, we both came down to, what, top four? 
Yeah, you, you got second last year. Yeah, and then the year before that, you got what third? Yeah, but I shouldn't have last year. Didn't, so. it, didn't it go to like eighty something miles last year? What was it? I think so. Yeah, Kyle, I know Kyle, they still haven't. I know it still hasn't gone over a hundred yet. No. no. I know my buddy's running it this year, so I'm hoping he can. Uh, no, so last do year. Well. Uh, let's see, 2023. Yeah, Kyle Cow was 67 miles. Yeah, the year before oh, that, really? I think I think Lucius and and Kyle went farther. Yeah, yeah, they went at 80. Yeah, I think right. that was the year that it went the farthest. Yeah. I think so. So yeah, they've not uh, they've not broke 100, but I did see that they're doing something for 100 miles. I don't remember what it yeah, was. Yeah, I don't know. I saw the post. Uh, what was that? Yeah, I feel like I saw something yeah. too, but I don't remember what it was. Um, okay, so let's jump in now. So you do the Barkley Fall Classic again, and that's the one uh, where you you were telling us about a minute ago, where you were clearing. Yeah. You all were the lead pack, which yeah, just sounds like a terrible decision to me. But yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you jump into this race, and I know you got a, I know you got a, a interesting story on this race because you. Um, you know, it was your second hundred miler, but you also got hurt. Um, yeah, if I recall, but that's the no business 100. You did, uh, right. did it in 2020. So at this point, no business hasn't exploded into what it is at this point where it's, you know, selling out in the day. Right. <laughs> so you were still early stages, but tell us a little bit about this race. Um, and then, you know, you had to overcome an injury, which I think happened pretty early on. Yeah, I think this was the third year of the race, if I remember correctly. Maybe the fourth, but the year prior, I had volunteered there. So, like, no business is one of those races that I would I consider that like my home race. Or maybe not now. They live in Colorado, but I did when I was in Tennessee, and that was you know I was I was there every year and in some capacity, running, volunteering, crewing. I was there, and so 2020, I ran it, and that was the clockwise direction. Yeah, clockwise direction. And we were coming down from Twin Arches. There's some stairs coming down, Twin Arches that you take. And they're not like your normal stairs. They're like your trail stairs where it's, you know, probably close to 14, 18 inch high. We were coming down there and there was a group of people uh, moving slower than I wanted to. So um, I said, hey, I'm going to jump by you. And so I jumped by and ended up going down fast and too fast and no business beautiful race but the, the the difficult part there is the leaf cover is so great because it's in the fall the leaves are coming down hides the trail and i jumped down one of those stairs landed on something under leaves i guess a rock probably my left ankle went completely to the side and mm. the guy behind me who was coming down with me like you know he was probably a good i don't know 10 feet behind me he heard it pop as well mm. um so it was it was bad. Uh, and it was, that was 18 and a half miles into the race. So not what you want in a hundred mile race. Um, but I did limp on for a few miles and, uh, let out a string of curse words when it happened. Cause it was in, incredibly painful. Um, but, uh, I, I limped on for a few miles and, and a buddy of mine who was volunteering at the chariot aid station happened to have some ibuprofen in his truck. So he ran to his truck, got me ibuprofen. And I took that. And that helped a little bit and I was able to loosen up and, and continue on. I finished the race. I did finish the race in I think 27 hours and six minutes, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, and so I finished that. And honestly, I attribute that finish to the race doctor. 
um, Derek. I cannot remember his last name, but that guy is amazing. He's there like every year. And I, I made it into Blue Heron, which was like my old 60 in the race in that direction. And I, I went to him. He was there. And so he's checking my ankle out. And I mean, it was it was massive. It was huge. It was purple. And he's looking it over and he's like, he looks at me, he's like, I can tape it up and you can do this little six mile loop, the blue heron loop we had to do and, and come back to the stage station and, and see how it feels. Um, he's like, it's, it's, he's like, it's going to hurt. He's like, I can give you a little pill for the a steroid pill for the um, inflammation and some Tylenol for, for the pain. And so I took that and uh, I asked him, I was like, you know, am I going to hurt this worse? And he's like, no. He's like, you're not going to hurt it worse. He's like, you already destroyed it. It's it's ruined. <laughs> and I mean, most doctors wouldn't even let you go back out. But he was like, it's up to you. If you want to go back out and deal with the pain, you can. He's like, you're not going to make it worse. Uh, so I I did. I went out and I finished it. And sure enough, I actually had torn the tendon in the ankle. Um, the, I believe it's the perineal brevis tendon in the ankle. So uh, yeah, that took me out for a while after I was out for probably a good probably a good three months, uh, afterwards, just recovering, healing that ankle. Mm. Mm. One of those times where it's like, I finished the race, I got the buckle. I'm super proud of it and how I did with dealing with the pain and just, you know, finishing, grinding it out. But it's also, you know, perspective, looking back and knowing like, if I had stopped right when I rolled it, you know, at the next aid station dropped, you know, maybe it might not have been so bad and takes a little so long to recover. And it's like, was it the right choice? It was a dumb choice, but I did it and I finished. And so I'll just, I'll just ride that. <laughs> hey, you got the buckle. I mean, that yeah, counts. Exactly. I, don't know if, I don't know if there is a right choice and I don't, I don't know if you're ever going to, you know, because I have the I office. I wish that now I'm like, maybe I should have just walked and like finished mine. But you know, it's, it's funny when you talk to different people, cause Lauren did the same thing. You know, the first year she did no business. She, you know, broke yeah. her ankle. She didn't finish, and she went back this year for her redemption. You know, or mm -hmm. this past year, and, and won. Yeah, <laughs> but you're, you're. I mean, that race at that time of year, you're 100 correct. You do not see where you're stepping. No. I mean, there were so many leaves in some of those sections. Like it's, it's done. Like it's. I done. remember this year, this year in the counterclockwise <laughs> direction. I've somewhere between. Uh, somewhere between Blue Heron and Bandy. I, I can't remember where because it all kind of blurs together. But I remember literally we were going through probably 10 inches or more of leaves, just that deep where you're just shuffling along and you're pushing leaves out of the trail. It's, it's ridiculous. So yeah. that's why that on paper, if you look at it, like you look at the elevation profile, you look at where it's at, this, this can't be that difficult of a race. But man, it's so underestimated. It is a difficult race. Yeah, it's more technical than you would think, you know, yeah, like really it is. really is. Um, and then, you know, we had that monsoon this year too. So it was, it yeah. was nice for, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was nice for great crossings and the, uh, the bridges oh, it was were brutal. extremely slick, man. They were so slick. Yeah. So yeah. And this year we couldn't even go across the bridge this year. We had to go through the river and or the Creek, <laughs> uh, there at big South fork. Hey, and that's the picture we used you too. I don't know if you noticed oh, that. Nice. <laughs> no, I didn't see it. <laughs> um, so that was like your, probably your first true 100 mile trail race then, right? Mm -hmm. Like no business was, yeah. I guess, talking through it. Cause you did the loop race, which right. not taking away from a loop race, but a loop race is still different than doing a hundred oh, yeah. mile point race. You know, they're sure 
they're both hard in different ways. Yes, absolutely. So what, what did you think like, um, with no business overall, like, was that at this point, was that like your hardest race just because of the ankle or was it because of other things? It was for sure the hardest race at that point. I mean, it was the, like you said, it's the, really the first, I mean, Georgia death race is a difficult race and it, it, it's a mountain race. Um, no business is also a mountain race and it's just the distance makes it more difficult, even though it's less elevation gain than Georgia death race. To me, it's more difficult, but I noticed for me, mile, I don't know, 85 ish, somewhere between like spring branch and bald knob. Uh, the first year I did it, I re- I noticed that like, you know, maybe at mile 75 ish at ozone, my ankles felt like they were falling off where that, pushed out maybe 10 miles later this, this time in 2020. And so the pain let threshold increased and got better. And I've noticed that with, uh, with every race so far that that's, that's happened. Hey, uh, if I interrupted, you maybe cut this out, but I think my camera battery is about to die. If it does, I'll put a new battery in it and hopefully be right back up. So <laughs> yeah. no worries at all. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Um, yeah. So with, with you doing no business 100, you, you do that and then your, your ankles messed up. So it doesn't look like you race again until January. So you obviously took some time off to let that heal up. Yeah. Um, did, were you able to run or train at all before you jump into your next race? I, so no business was October, maybe 15th. Um, all right. So with no business, you, you finish it in October, you turn around and you do snowbird 50 K snowboard challenge 50 K in January. So right. did you, were you able to start training a month or two before this race or did you go from, Oh, my foot's healed. I want to run. <laughs> I was able to run. I, uh, I'm trying to think when I started, I think I started running in December. So I took pretty much all the rest of October off and then uh, i took most of november i believe off and then in december i started running at some point uh only on roads stayed off the trails completely just to protect the ankle and that snowbird race was basically there was half of it was uh, a trail per se but it's not much of a trail so it was it was basically a a path and then some of it was paid well, you you finished second overall. You had a really good, really good time. Three hours, fifty two minutes. So, uh, yeah. Well, don't let that time. Don't let that time deceive you. <laughs> Can't let the time deceive you. So that that race is similar to Elsie, except it's not a last man standing. So it was a two and a half ish mile loop as well, I believe, and you had forty minutes to do it. And so each loop. And then the next loop, you would just start, and everybody would start again in a big crowd, and you'd go. So there was no last man standing. But So every 40 minutes, you were fresh, because I was running that two and a half at like a 7.30 pace, or faster, mm-hmm. I was running fast. So I'd come back in in like 20 minutes, and I'm just like, all right, I'm going to get my feet kicked up, you know, get a sandwich made, and rested and ready to go. So that's why I finished so fast at that race, because it only took your actual racing time for that, not the not the aid oh. time or the, trans- or the transition time. Well, that's, that's a different format. That's, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it was cool. <clears throat> yeah, you don't you don't hear that very often. No, that's that's pretty. Yeah. So then you jump into Yamacraw 50k, yep. which that's a pretty tough race. Um, you do that, that one. Right, in- 
right before Yamacraw, though. So I was that that was April. Is that right? Is that when that, that one race was? May twenty second. May twenty. Okay. So I was on a training run between Snowbird and Yamacraw, and I think this was in March. Yeah, it would have been March because it was right before Barkley, and um, I was out on a training run out on the Cumberland Trail. And I rolled my right ankle severely, like severely, severely. Where I heard another pop. I don't think I tore anything, but it was here we go again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I had to take another, I think, like six weeks off. And so I came into Yamacraw basically with a goal of just finishing. I had no time hopes whatsoever. I was like, this is going to be rough because I'm way out of shape. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you didn't do too bad. Six hours, twenty-seven minutes. You were still no, it's probably a good fifty k time. It's not bad it at wasn't all. bad, yeah. It wasn't bad. I, I mean, if I was healthy and trained, I could definitely do better. But it was I was just glad to finish it without rolling another ankle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the one thing trail running does for you. You yep. you you develop rubber ankles. You after have a while. to. Yeah, Gosh, I tell you. Yeah, that's my that's my weakness is my left ankle. Oof. Is that is that still from like when you hurt it the first time, or has it always been your left ankle? I know I, I rolled an ankle in college playing basketball, and I don't remember which one it was, but I would wager it was probably my left. <laughs> uh, that Maybe that's what started it all. I don't know. Yes. In running, I think I've, I've rolled my left ankle at least four or five times um, pretty severely, and the right ankle once. So definitely the left side is, yeah. is the weakness. Yeah. So you played uh, college uh, basketball? No, it was just this was just a pickup. Oh, game. okay. I no, I, I, I cannot play. <laughs> All right, so then we do Laurel Highlands Ultra. That's a seventy-five yeah. mile race. Uh, you do fairly well at it. Golden Gate Trail Classic. Then you do a hundred k Beaverhead Endurance Runs. So you yeah, you're a through a string here now. You're getting into a string of longer distances. Uh, yep. Then you come out and do our race, and you won our race, Fort Frenzy, uh, twelve hours. Right. Which in the middle of summer. So did you, how did yeah. your stomach do during that race? It did fine. I honestly did awesome. It was great. I had a good plan. I, um, I went in with, I think spring energy gels and I had made, I, I can't remember what I made. I made something and put it in a cooler. Maybe it was some pasta. I think it was pasta. And I had it in a cooler there for me to eat, like, you know, when I needed it. And luckily, um, Melinda, Melinda Honkus, she had finished her race and she mm -hmm. stuck around for a little bit and kind of crewed me a little bit. You helped me out a lot too. You got me some water and stuff. It was uh, good to have some support there. But no, my stomach was, I don't remember any issues really with my stomach at all at that race. It my stomach has never let me down except for one race, which we'll probably get to in a little bit. But it's, <laughs> it's, always, done, it's always done really well. <laughs> that, that's awesome. Especially in this kind of heat. Yeah. You know, that's normally what gets people is yeah. their stomach goes bad in this heat. But you managed yeah. it really well. Um, and you had Francesca, like, right on your heels the whole day. Yes. Y'all were, were, I mean, just every hour on the hour just go. I know. It was so, a good race. So I got a question there. We always like to ask people when they do the fort, was it harder than you expected or was it, you know, kind of what you expected? I'd say it was more difficult. It was harder because I wasn't expecting that elevation gain, I guess, from that course. Yeah. Um, I think it ended up being like, it was over 7,000. I don't remember what for the, the, I think I did 58. 
62. How many miles did I do there? I don't remember. You did 58.4. 58.4. Okay. So I think it was like 7,500 feet, 7,800 feet of elevation gain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you think that little fort there, I mean, there can't be that much elevation there, but there it is. And, uh, it was, it was technical (laughs) in a couple places. Um, but it was, it was a good race. It was a really fun race. I definitely recommend people do. Uh, but it was definitely more challenging. I think I went in underestimating the course. Cause we, we've heard that from numerous people. When, once they get out there and they start running, they're like, okay, this is more difficult than we expected. Which, you know, yeah. it's, great. it's great to hear when, from a race director standpoint that it's a little harder than what people, you know, they just look at it. But Yeah. Well, you and you did great. You managed it well. Yeah. Um, you know, 58 miles, that's pretty impressive in 12 hours on that course. And like I said, with the heat. I think that's yeah. – that's the course record, isn't it? 58 miles for the 12 hour. I feel like no, somebody I had 60. I think Frances, Francesca. Oh, yeah. Has 60, the year before. 60 something. Yeah, yeah. She had one more. Yeah. yeah. Somebody before. had 60 something. That was the year before. Yeah. I don't yeah. think it was as hot. It was a little crazier of a storm that year that she ran. So yeah. That year, I, I did the 12 hour. Yeah. I was racing against her in the 12 hour. She was laughing me like yeah. crazy. Yeah, you know, you know, we 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 do this race every year, and we always laugh about it because we expect like just the worst weather. Like yeah. it's going to come a storm. It's a tough time of year. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're moving up to your longest distance at this time. So now we we finished Fort Frenzy. You win it, and then you go straight into so that's in August. Then in October you jump into the forty-eight hour ozone endurance challenge and yep you went 136 miles and you finished first place overall so tell us a little bit about that event and uh, so just to remind everybody this is steven's very first hundred miler this is the same course so right uh you know now we're doing double the distance so tell us a little bit yeah about it. yeah same course i did the 24 hour the first time this time was the 48 and it went really, really, really well until it didn't. <laughs> like, uh, like all races. I mean, honestly, um, I had I had a plan in place. I was doing a run walk. I think I was, I believe I was running either eight minutes or ten minutes, and then walking two minutes, and like clockwork, right from the start. So even when your legs are super fresh, I was being very diligent and staying to my plan, and that went incredibly well i mean i I pr'd my 50 miler it was nine hours and change i pr'd my 100 miler it was like i think i did 122 hours and 40 something minutes um on that same course and then after 120 125 ish um i i I stopped at the aid took care of my feet i was getting some pretty nasty blisters on the toes had to pop those wrap them up and it was still going really well at this point, like 125 miles in. I think this was like maybe 30 hours um, around that point, 32-ish hours maybe. Uh, it was going really well. And I went out and maybe somewhere around mile 130, I started getting like a really bad pain in my right like hip flexor TFL kind of area. And so, you know, I had my poles at this point trying to help a little bit going. And this is a pretty, it's a very flat course. I think for the whole time I had like 7,000 feet of elevation gain for like 136 miles. So it's pretty Ooh. darn flat. Yeah, it's pretty flat. Um, yeah. And so I was, I was going along and uh, the pain just kept getting worse. And then my wife went out to um, pace with me for a couple miles and the pain just got so bad. Like 
I remember there's a section where there's a little incline and it wasn't much of an incline at all. I mean, we're probably talking a 20 foot climb, <laughs> not much. <laughs> but uh, at that point I, I was in so much pain. I, I was literally in tears, like crying on the flat part because it was so painful. I couldn't pick up my right leg at all. Like, and I don't mean like I couldn't pick it. I mean, I literally couldn't pick it up like that far off the ground, like an inch. I was dragging it on the ground flat. I just had wow. no control of my right, my right hip flexor. I couldn't do anything. So I limp around to the start finish. And this is that race where they have the, the physical therapist. So I, I spent more time with uh, uh, <laughs> Jeannie, I think it is, or uh, I believe it's Jeannie. It might yeah. be Jeannie. I'm sorry. I'm totally butchering her name. I'm sorry. I forget it now. But um, I spent more time with her there in aid for probably a good 30 minutes. I mean, she worked. She tried her best. She did all sorts of crazy stretches. I was in pain while she's doing these to me, like sticking her elbow into like the TFL while she's bending my leg. And she tried, she tried her best. And I still just, I could not pick up that leg at all. So with this race, the way it is, you know, if you want to take a nap, you can. So I told the RD and he's like, once you go back to your, your, your tent, try to rest for a little bit, see if it gets better. So I did. I went back. I think I took like two hours to try to nap. And so this was like probably around my hour 34, I guess, took around two hours to try to take a nap, see if maybe it would loosen up and maybe at least the physical therapist could work on it then at that point and it might do something. And I just, I couldn't sleep. I was in so much pain. I'm rolling around in my van or probably wasn't even rolling around. I'm just in so much pain. And eventually I, I hobble out of the van and go to my uh, tent, my, my, uh, hit sidewalls on like a 10 by 10 canopy and my crew was in there resting and, I opened up the, the sidewall because it was cold. And I told him, I was like, I'm done, guys. I can't pick up my leg. I, I, I can't do anything. And so we, they drove me back around to the start finish and uh, saw the RD. And Tom was like, I got I to gotta, I gotta stop. I can't do anything. And this was only 36 hours into a 48-hour race. <laughs> and so I was, I was bombed because I had big goals. Like my, my, my worst case goal was like 150 miles. And I couldn't, yeah. I didn't even do that because my hip failed me. And, I wanted to try to get, you know, 180, close to 200 miles, and just the hip took me out. And luckily, I mean, I, I was still able to, to win it overall, um, which I was really surprised. There were some pretty decent runners there uh, turning off some miles, but a lot of them were in the 96 hours just killing it, getting like 300 yeah. miles. But it was uh, it was tough. It was definitely um, the worst to be a feeling where it's like, my legs were fine strength-wise. I could have easily kept going. It was that darn stinking hip that just I couldn't pick up the leg. And, like, the strength was there. I wasn't tired. I was staying awake. I didn't think I was taking caffeine pills at that point. It was just the stinking hip took me out. Yeah, it was frustrating. I think uh, I went up there and paced Mock for the 24 hours. And yeah. I remember them talking about it. They were like, uh, you know, Steven, something's wrong with Steven. Something's wrong. We're like, you know, okay. And I think you parked on the other side of the lake, didn't you? Yeah, we were on like the opposite of the start finish. Yeah, and I think uh, when I was running my mic, and uh, we would look in like, oh, he's not got up or he's not got up. And then eventually the, the they told us that you had called your race and uh, you were yeah. heading out. But Yeah, yeah, it was rough. I remember seeing Mike. He was running really well. I forget how many miles he was in, but he was moving really well. Yeah. So, so your goal was to, your A goal was like 200 miles. I would say realistically, probably 175, 180 was the A goal. Okay. 
And did you did you just pick that number in your brain or did you like have did you have like training to back it up and you were like, I can get this, you put some math and numbers yeah. to it, or did you just pull oh, yeah, it? it was, or no, did you just put Matthew and say, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this? Hey, we're hitting three hundred today. That's all we're doing. <laughs> no, it was definitely uh backed by training and and numbers. Um, you know, I've I've been training with uh Vert Rod and they're my coach platform that I use. And so I've been with them for many years. And at this point I've been with them for like two years. So I talked to my coach and crunch numbers myself and just think, you know, what I felt like. And I had, had, I, I think my biggest issue was the strength. I needed to do more strength training and specifically in the, in the hips, the glutes, the trunk, you know, that's every runner's main weakness. Really. I need, yep. I didn't do hardly, if I did strength training, it was maybe once a week and it was like a 15 minute quick video kind of thing. You know, it wasn't any serious strength training. So, um, yeah, it, but definitely put some numbers together and I felt that, that I felt that 170 was probably realistic. I could probably get that and maybe 175, maybe 180. I think were just really, really good. Uh, 150. I felt like that was a walk in the park. Like I, there should be no reason I shouldn't be at 150 except for my hip. I had other plans. <laughs> You know, that's, again, we, we say it a lot in this show, but you know, that's the beauty of an ultra. Yeah. Yeah. Never know. And, and exactly. Rob, Rob Apple to my day is still my, still my favorite person to ask of like, Rob, what number is this race going to be for you? You know, and I don't know if you follow Rob Apple, but he just got 800. So he just mm -hmm. finished his 800 ultra. So, wow. but I remember I running with him at your race. Yeah. He, yep. He's awesome. He, he truly is, and he's so humble. But what I love about him, you be on. He's like I said, eight hundred races. You'll ask him today, what number will this be for you this weekend, Rob? If I finish, eight hundred and one, and he always yeah. says that if I finish, and you know, and, that's awesome. And Rob's not out here running hundred milers anymore. He's doing fifty k's and timed events, and you know, like. And he still says that. So, you know, yeah, he yeah. knows and he's learned through all those years. Yeah. And to me, that's like really humbling to think about because it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't, <laughs> you know, right? it's it's so all the training in the world is not going to fix a hip going bad or turning an ankle right. or, you know, anything. And, and then when you get it in your head and especially when you get it in your head, you're like, like you said it. 150 should be no problem. Yeah. And then you're just, you're so let down. Like you're so bummed because you're like, yeah, I, I didn't even get 150, you know, like I and know. I, it, that's the, that's so hard to not do too, because you put all this time and effort into it, you know, like, yeah, it's not like this is our daytime jobs. We're, we're training yeah. and doing the things we can after yeah. hours with, you know, around our families doing this stuff but it takes a lot of time and a lot of discipline. And when you put that in and then you turn around and you don't get close to your goal, man, that, that brings you back down to reality. Yeah, like yeah. if we want to, I don't know how you all are, but for me, I'm like, I got to fix this. Yeah. I think yeah. <laughs> totally. Oh, hundred percent. And like, honestly, like it's probably good that it did happen in hindsight because it did show me a, a really significant weakness in myself mm -hmm. that I need to improve. And I'm taking it very seriously now. I've got a strength coach. I'm doing almost three hours in the gym every week. Um, so it's, right. I'm taking it, I'm taking it real serious. I'm trying to get strong. Well, that that was going to be my next question is 
did you learn anything from this experience? Like, what did you learn? Yeah. Well, that's exactly, I mean, I learned that I need to take strength training serious. Runners, and I, I can't speak for everybody, but it seems like if you have a training plan and it says go out and run an hour and then do 30 minutes in the gym, runners are going to be like, oh, man, today's a busy day at work. I'm going to go squeeze in my miles. I got to go get that, that, that 30, that hour run in. And you you skip the run and you skip the uh, gym. You're like, oh, I got to get those miles. It's all about volume, volume, volume. And like to me, it's just had a, a, a light in my, a light go off in my brain, I guess. And it's it's not all about volume. And I, like I know now I can complete a hundred mile race on quite a bit less training than I had previously been doing. Uh, but I need that strength training. That's important. So I'm really making a, a point now to not skip those those gym workouts. Not uh, you know, choose mileage over gym. You know, I need to, I need to get the strength. I need to take care of these issues if I want to do bigger things, which I do. Yeah, I know it, dude, that I'm proud of you for saying that because a lot of people don't think that running and lifting go together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what helped me in 2022 do the things that I did. And, and I didn't, lift as much in 2023 and stayed hurt and everything else. And that's why you see me mm -hmm. lifting yeah. as much as I am again, you know, like I'm lifting three, four or five days a week now yeah. with my running because I realized that that was my weakness, you know, and in those races that you don't get that a goal and sometimes not even your B or C goal yeah, wakes you up to be like, I earned this, you know, I earned exactly what I got. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, it's you you gotta have that humbling experience and that's very I may, true. I, I may have it again here soon. Uh, you know, I'm I'm doing my first marathon in March, so we'll see how this goes. But yeah. That's one of the reasons you see me lifting and running a lot right now. <laughs> I've only done one road marathon and that'll be enough. <laughs> that was good. Okay. I, I'm right there with you. I'm doing one and I'm probably never going to do You did the Knoxville one, right? Last year. I did. I did Knoxville. Yeah. <laughs> that was your, which marathon are you doing? Now, David? I'm doing uh, Chattanooga, the Erlanger, Erlanger. One in March. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I think so you, I've heard that's a good one. What was your time at uh, Knoxville last year? Three, three fifteen, three sixteen. I think. That's great. I finished, I finished 15th overall, which I was incredibly surprised because like there's some, fast people in Knoxville. So maybe they just didn't, they didn't decide to race that year. <laughs> but, uh, I did, I did well, but no, I was, I was struggling that. That was, that was tough. I had the typical hitting the wall, like mile 23 and walking up yeah. that one hill of the bridge. Like it was rough. Yeah. Did y'all run it together? Yeah, we ran, we, okay, yeah, we so ran it together. I probably saw you. I was, I was there with Mary, like me and her were like oh, okay. running the whole course trying to follow Mike and Matt and everybody else. So I'm sure we, I remember seeing you. I remember seeing you at some point yelling at me as I was going by. Yeah. How'd you do that? Uh, I don't even know what I was like 20th overall or something. 25th. Nice. I think I got, I don't know what my time was. You keep adding five to this number, Matt. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think that it was. I was 20th. <laughs> We had been really close. We had been pretty darn close together then. We were close together. Yeah. What was your time? You remember? I, I thought it was three eleven twelve. I don't know. Oh, it couldn't have been. No, it couldn't have been unless you were higher than fifteen overall. Because no, that was I was three fifteen or three sixteen. Matt's looking. I nice. can't remember what. 
That's good though. So did you, did you train specifically for a marathon to get ready for that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was doing all the typical road speed work and, uh, in training, I did a, uh, a half marathon time trial, uh, which was, I was, I'm still really proud of that time, but this, I finished in my, a half marathon time trial with like 600 feet of elevation gain. It was like a 130, uh, 130, 45 seconds. So I just missed getting under 130. I really wanted that, but man, I was, I was <laughs> happy with that. I was, I was pleased. Hey, that's great, man. Huge accomplishment. I couldn't, I couldn't come anywhere near that now. I'd be lucky to get a 145. <laughs> There is a big difference between endurance running yes. and training for a half or a marathon. I've, I've realized that because I don't ever Absolutely. run. Absolutely. Yeah, I finished uh, 311.47. Oh, and you beat me. You had to have been higher than 15th overall. No, it says I was 29th overall. What? I could have sworn I was like 16th overall in that race. That must have changed. Uh, I had Let's see. Let's go look oh. at the actual uh, yeah, official. We're looking at gender plays, maybe. Possibly. <laughs> Could have been 15th uh, overall male. Maybe. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Move on. Look, look, so now we move into the country mile 48 hour, the Silver Rush. Wow. Go ahead. That country mile never happened. I didn't even show up to that race. I need to contact the RD because he's got me on there as a DNF or like two miles. I never even showed up to that race. Nine miles. That's yeah, you got nine race. miles. You show up. You're like yeah, I didn't even show up. I was in Colorado. I didn't. I didn't even like show up. <laughs> you, you know what happened? Your bib got set somewhere and got scanned a few times. That's probably what happened. Probably was there. I wasn't even there. <laughs> you know, there's there's this box of bibs though that every RD has that they set down somewhere, and every now yeah. and then. One of them randomly gets scanned, and it was yours. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so the country mile, you didn't even run, but somehow you got nine miles, which is an impressive feat in its own. <laughs> <laughs> you did uh, Silver Rush, and then yep. I think this is a race that's probably been on your bucket list for a while that I'm seeing here. I actually uh, I watched your YouTube documentary on this not too long ago. Well done, by the way, but uh, Leadville Thank 100. You. Yeah. Yeah. That was an amazing experience. Definitely one that's been on the bucket list. I mean, that's the video I watched that got me into ultra running was Billy Yang's video on Leadville. And of course I've watched so many other videos on Leadville and just wanted to do it. And I got super lucky. Um, uh, somebody that follows my YouTube channel contacted me and actually donated their volunteer hours to me. So I was able to get into the race because uh, I missed the actual lottery. I didn't get in, but because I had the volunteer hours, they were able to get me in. So uh, that was awesome. I mean, so cool. And I mean, the race went fairly well. <laughs> it didn't go great. Um, it, I mean, it's a high altitude race. It's, uh, you know, we go up over 12.5 twice. Uh, you're up above 10. I think the average elevation of the race was like 11,100, something like that. So it's a high altitude mountain race. And uh, it's tough. It's very tough. Um, you know, I trained on the course, a good bit of the course uh, leading up to it. I live, you know, three hours from Leadville, a little less than three hours from Leadville. So I had the opportunity to do that and got up and over Hope Pass in training and thought, okay, you know, I, this is tough, but I can do this. And uh, in the race, man, just, I don't know, because it was at that point going up Hope Pass would have been 45-ish miles into the race. Uh, it's a lot different than doing it when your legs are fresh uh, on a training mm -hmm. run and you've been out there for 
10 hours already. So uh, it was it was tough. And then the backside of Hope Pass is even it's so steep. I mean, it's I can't even tell you. I don't even know percent grade how steep it is, but it is incredibly steep. And so that was brutal. And it kind of all uh, slowed down a lot at that point. You know, I was on pace for my 25 hour goal until pretty much Hope Pass, which makes or breaks you. And uh, I got back over it, got to my crew back in Twin Lakes, and they took care of me, got me what I needed, and got me back out there with my pacer. And that's the race where my stomach turned on me. And I think a lot of it was mainly the, I think it was mainly the, uh, the altitude combined with just the duration at altitude. Um, and I was using a new nutrition product, which worked really good for shorter stuff, but I kind of found after about like six hours, it just was too sweet, and my stomach did not want that. So I kind of had to get away from it. But yeah, that was, I made it back into May Queen aid station, which was like mile 88. And I ended up throwing up twice. First time I've ever mm. thrown up in a race and training, never thrown up, never had issues. I was sitting there just, I'd been feeling really nauseous for a while. Um, not able to really take many calories, just eat, drinking a little bit of water. And I just got there and I remember like, you can see in my video, I'm like, I think I say like, you know, I need caffeine. I'm like, I was so tired for some reason, just crazy tired. And I get up to, to go and I was like, just turned around and threw up twice in the bushes. Mm. <laughs> just lost it. And at that point, I couldn't eat at all. I, I, I finished the race without being able to eat anything the last 12 miles. I was finally able to sit some water when we were on 6th Street to the finish. Um, so it was pretty much, we walked almost all of that last 12 miles. And I, I, did, I did finish, luckily, but uh, it was, that was definitely the toughest race to date. Well, yeah. And do you think it was <clears throat> so? With that being said, is it the toughest because overall the terrain, or because of the altitude and the sickness and the stomach issues? I think. I mean, the altitude is such a a variable that you you just can't really account for. I mean, I I train at altitude. I live at sixty seven hundred feet, and I you know knew this was Leadville or was up high, so I was routinely up over twelve thousand feet. I went up to 14,000 feet a couple of times. Um, so, I mean, I was at altitude, but I wasn't at altitude for 20 hours plus. No. And that, that's, a big, that's a big difference than just doing it for a six-hour training run. So, uh, I think the altitude makes it incredibly, incredibly difficult. The terrain is very technical in places, um, very technical. Uh, a lot of rocks and roots, but then there's other areas that are super easy runnable. So it's just a combination of the distance. It's a hundred miles at altitude. It's just, it's tough. Yeah. Would you do it again? Yeah, probably. Um, I didn't apply this year at all. I didn't try. There's other, other things I wanted to do, but uh, it's definitely a race I would do again. It's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's crazy because it's one of those races that's so popular and it's like, you know, one of the oldest hundred mile milers. It's there's a lot of history there. Being a part of it, such a huge race where you come into an aid station and there's hundreds of people there cheering you on, if not thousands of people cheering you on. It's electric. It's it's amazing. But I gotta say, I was really really disappointed in the aid stations. At all, I did all three. When I, I did three Leadville races this summer, all three lifetime races, the trail marathon, the 50 miler and the hundred miler, all three of them, their aid stations are, you better come prepared with your own stuff. <laughs> Let's just say that. <laughs> they, uh, if you like goo products, you'll be, 
it's not like back east. Back like your guys' aid stations, no business. I mean, shoot, they're cooking pancakes. You know, you got eggs, you got all sorts of soups and chowders, and it's a buffet. There, yeah. it was not at all. Uh, which you know, I, I I knew that ahead of time, so I planned for that. I had a crew with all my stuff, but definitely a little disappointed in that aid stations. Yeah, I mean that's the thing about a hundred miler. You you want some really good food on occasion, yeah. you know. And when when you're living on goose and chews, it, uh, it comes rough. <laughs> so Stephen, I, I figured out the marathon thing a while ago. You ran it in 2022 as well. That's when you ran it, right? Right. And I ran it that year as well. And then you did get it in three something. I got it at 321. And then last year I did uh, it, and then I got it in 311 in 2023. That's what. Ah, uh, uh, okay, gotcha. Well, that's an, that's an awesome time, man. 311. That's that's awesome. It was it was it was rough. <laughs> <laughs> but we got we got four more of them this year, so we'll see how what we can do. One, one, yeah, one. That's what he says. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll see. And, okay, yeah. so then we finish it off. You come back to no business 100 this year or this past year, and you finished yeah. without an ankle injury, and you did yeah. it in uh, 24 hours and some change. So, uh, congratulations! Yep. How how was that race experience this year compared to the year of the ankle? So much better. I mean, just so much better. It, it went it went great. I ran that race according to plan. Um, I was a little slower in the night section between somewhere after blue Heron to, uh, no, I'm sorry. Somewhere after Bandy to blue towards blue. No, which direction were we going now from blue Heron to Bandy? Sorry. We're going that direction. Yeah. Um, it was all at night and I ran that section with, uh, Derek Baker, who's a crazy style, awesome runner. He's done no business. I think three times, um, beast of a guy. But uh, we ran a little bit slower than I would have wanted, but I think that was my fault because I was really kind of in a low spot maybe or just struggling there, and he stayed with me, and uh, which was awesome. I, I appreciated it. It was, it, was, it was cool to have him stick with me. But um, after that, I got to my crew, got some uh, caffeine pills in me, woke up, and I just finished that race so strong. I mean, I, I was running – at times I was running eight – 39 minute pace on those gravel roads, wow. um, you know, mile 95 into the race. Um, you know, I was clicking off 10 minute miles, 11 minute miles. So it was, I ran that so well. And I found that like, you know, that shin pain I had in prior races, there was none of that. There was none of that at Leadville. My legs were used to it at that point. It was, it had become not easy, but it had become less difficult. I knew what to expect. My body was used to it. So, I didn't have any of those pains that I had. I finished that race feeling like I could have run more. So uh, I noticed that you ran this race in the Speedlands to begin with, and then you had some issues and switched back to your Speed Goats. Yes. So tell me about so that. Switched, I switched to the Mafante Speed Force. Um, oh, okay. So, yeah, the Speedlands, I tested those. I uh, tested them here in Colorado. They did fine in the dry environments, you know, did really, really well. So I figured this might be a pretty awesome shoe to, to try no business in. So I started out in those and I mean, it was so wet. The creeks were high. We crossed our first creek under two miles and feet were already soaked. Um, then pretty much the whole race, the feet were wet. And inside those shoes, they have such a wide platform 
that mm. my foot, even with cinching the, the BOA system down, they were still, my foot was sliding around inside the shoe and it was hitting the lip on the insole. And so I got the worst blisters I've ever had in my life on my big toes mm. and my pinky toes. I mean, they were, not pinky toe, I'm sorry, the, the outer heel uh, was doing the same thing. And the worst blisters I've ever had, they were massive. So I got to my crew finally at mile 77 and I changed shoes and uh, put the Hoka Mufante Speed 4s on because those, I mean, I've run 300 mile races in those now uh, and they're awesome shoes. I knew they were going to take care of my feet. <laughs> yeah. I did, I did a shoe change much earlier. <laughs> <laughs> had, I, had I been able to get to my crew sometime after blue hair and I would have absolutely changed those shoes because, yeah, I was. I'll, I'll yeah, I was following you along and uh, I saw where you posted that. You're like, finally, I got my, got these different shoes and now you're ready to go. I'm like, oh, well, hopefully that doesn't happen to me when I start running in, in my speed lanes. <laughs> well, hopefully you have a wider foot than me. My yeah, foot's but, I guess, too narrow for the shoes. I have a narrow foot. That's why I was worried. But they, they've yeah. done all my training runs. They've done great. Like, I've not had any problems, but I've also not ran 100 miles. Okay. So. <laughs> It, for me, it was when they got wet. In the dry, they were fine, but definitely go run through some run through some creeks and then go run for a few hours and see how they feel. Well, we'll be, <laughs> we'll be doing a lot of that in uh, June and July. Yeah, yeah, ready for some stuff. Nice. Well, so what's your uh, what's what's your big race for twenty twenty four? Like, have you got one picked out yet? Yeah, I've got four races on the calendar already um all ultra distances i'm super excited i got 100k in april in south colorado then i've got another backyard race so i'm going to go back to the backyard format but this is a true backyard uh 4.167 miles and it's in uh, ure colorado or ure how do you want to say it at, at 7,700 feet elevation uh and that's in may so i'm going there with hopes of you know going at least 150 miles <laughs> getting, the, getting the legs ready We'll see what happens to the body. I'm, I'm in the gym now. I Like I said, I hired a strength coach. I'm in the gym three days a week, two and a half to three hours a week on top of my running. I'm uh, focused solely on running specific type stuff. So getting stronger, which is going to be huge. Hopefully that'll fix the hip issue. Uh, but then after that, I've got the Never Summer 100K in July. Uh, so all of these races are in Colorado. Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good mountain race too. That's 100K. That's uh, something like 18,000 feet of elevation gain, maybe 20,000 feet. It's, it's oh, yeah. all oh, yeah. high high altitude too. It's all but like 10, 11,000. Uh, so it's high. And then my big goal for the this year is I signed up for my first 200 mile race. So I've got the Sangre de Cristo 200 miler in September. And that's here in Colorado. Uh, it's an odd format where it's it's like two different out and backs that you do a couple times. I think one of them's like an eight mile out and back, and the other one's like a 43 mile, I think, out and back. So you have one central spot you can crew from and kind of see your crew, which I think will be good for my first 200. So, yeah, that's the big goal the, the 200 miler this year. Oh, that's definitely that's a big goal. goal. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not, uh, it's not flat. I think there's like, uh, I want to say 38,000 feet of elevation gain. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And it's high too. I think the average elevation of that race is right at just under 10,000 feet. So it'll be fun. You're going to feel that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll be spending a lot of time at altitude and training. Yeah. That strength yeah. training will pay off for big time for that race. Yeah. I so sure it, hope. Yeah. In, uh, in Ure, that's where Walt, Walt lives. He lives in Oh, is Ure. it? Mm-hmm. 
And I'm, I'm actually, not, you know what? He might be the guy that won it last year. No, he doesn't do too great in 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 back. Oh, okay. But he did say he was going to go do another one this year. I wonder if he does that. Oh, I wonder if he'll do that in the backyard. Oh, I wouldn't see why not. Yeah. Look and see if his name's on here. No, I don't see it. Okay. Well, oh no, he is on there. It is Walt. Yeah, there he is. Walter. Nice. Yep. yep. See, you'll be, you'll be, talk to Walt. Walt's yeah. an interesting guy, man. Very He's awesome. You'll love him. Definitely. Well, hopefully we'll be out there for a long time together. You can't you can't miss him. He's uh he's kind of shorter and, and kind of jacked. If if you have not okay. listened to his podcast that we did, you've got to listen to it because he's the gentleman that finished Ball State and walked barefoot and then found flip flops. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> so nice. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's for just a minute, and then we'll finish off with some questions. We'll let Matt get the questions ready. Mm -hmm. um, but while we're switching gears real quick, tell us, you know, you, you've got your YouTube channel. You've been doing it for a few years now. But tell us how you got started into YouTube, and you seem to be doing pretty successful. Your last your last video was really well done. I think it was uh, you. your documentary. It was Leadville 100, I believe, was your latest one. Uh, but, yeah, tell us about how you got started. Yeah, the Leadville documentary is the last uh, big documentary. I mean, I did one for No Business and uh, some other stuff here. You know, I post weekly. But I got into it, honestly, just wanting to share my passion for trail and ultra running and try to get more people to go from road to trail was kind of where it started. I wanted them to, you know, because I started on the road and I found trail and just fell in love with the it's being out in nature, uh, the peaceful, serene mountains or trails. And, you know, and back in Tennessee, it was the, the tunnel that you're in, you know, because you're in the, uh, the tree cover the whole time. And, you know, just the beauty in that and just wanted other people to see that. And so I was just doing, uh, you know, trail videos of my runs and started out doing that and took a while to get a couple, you know, a little bit of subscribers here and there. And then I connected with some shoe brands and, they decided to send me some shoes to review and it kind of turned into, you know, I do a lot of shoe reviews now, a whole lot of shoe reviews, uh, watch reviews, race videos, other reviews that are somehow related to trail and ultra running or running in general. Um, so yeah, it's, it's grown well. This is my fourth year in May will be four years on YouTube. And I think I'm over 21,000 subscribers now. So it's, it's growing. Uh, love everybody that's watched and subscribed and been part of it, but it's definitely uh, maybe slower than I would have hoped. But just like running, you know, it takes a while sometimes to, to get up to steam. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what well, you're doing great now, 20,000 20, plus subscribers. That's that's awesome, man. And I mean, that means you're putting out content that people want to see. Yeah. And yeah, it's going well. It's, I try to release it. When you're doing stuff like that, you're learning. I mean, you're getting better. So as you're getting oh, better, you're yeah. getting subscribers. So, I mean, you've stuck with it. You've done a great job. I can't even go back and, like, watch my own videos from, like, the first year. Just they're, they're horrible. <laughs> I, did, I mean, I never deleted them. They're still on YouTube. So anybody can go back and watch it and see the, the – but you're right. I mean, I, I continue to grow and get better at editing and new trying new things, new equipment. And just just like in running, it's a journey where you don't start out running – 2,000 miles a year, 3,000 miles a year, 4,000 miles a year. You start out and you run maybe 20 miles a month, and that's huge because you've never done that before. Yeah. And then you get you get 500 miles in a year, and you just get better and better and better and better and better. And it's the same way on YouTube. 
So if people want to follow your YouTube channel, is it Ultra Trail, Ultra Trail Steven? Is that correct? Yep, that's right. Ultra Trail Steven on YouTube. And I'm also on Instagram, Ultra Trail Steven. Awesome. Well, like I said, great job on your, your latest one. I've watched No Business and Leadville. And, you know, Led, even just from No Business to Leadville, it's a huge improvement. Like, you just keep getting better. And it, yeah. it's probably as you're playing with different cameras and gear, but keep it up, man. You're doing, you're doing great. It, it'll, ex, it'll really explode at some point in the near future. Cause I mean, you, yeah, I appreciate I, it. you're just getting better. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm, I don't plan to stop I plan to keep going. I've got lots of cool products I'm working on reviewing right now. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a long process to review some of these, but I enjoy, I enjoy that process digging into the fine details of things. It's a lot of fun. Well, I'm, I'm going to kick, kick it off with the first question here and then Matt's going to drill you with some, uh, participant or a listener question. So okay. very first question we ask every, everybody on here and it's, why do you run? Oh, why do I run? That's a really good, deep question. You wouldn't think so, but it's a deep question. Um, I don't know. I, I run because I like to challenge myself with difficult things that I once thought was impossible. And like just seeing that growth that we talked about, you know, how it gets better. And I still, I still remember to this day, I still remember my first nine mile run. Um, I was in Tennessee. It was in the summer. It was crazy humid. And thinking after that run, like, I don't know why any moron would run a, a marathon. They're stupid. Like, this is ridiculous. I sweat so much. It was so painful. And now it's like, I run nine miles on Wednesday. That's what I do. It's like, <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's easy. It's just that growth. And so like, I, I run because I love seeing the, the personal growth in myself and pushing the boundary past what I once thought was impossible. I like that. Yeah, that's good. You know, and, and one of the things, uh, me and Mary were just talking about this not too long ago, and uh, she had found a study on it, but doing things that you don't like, mm -hmm. you know, like whether it's a cold plunge or even if it's running, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, the thing once you like it, this impact changes, you know? Yeah. But, but doing things you don't like can actually help your body, you know, go into like that flight or fight response, kind of like, you know, it challenges you to do hard things and it can actually help you live longer. Right. Yeah. So, that's awesome. you know, that's, that's kind of awesome to think about. Like, you know, there's still days that I wake up and like, I don't want to go run. <laughs> You know, you know, I don't want to. And I'm like, see, that's how I live my life every day. I mean, I, I look at this cold plunge for like, an, you know, sometimes I stand there for 10 minutes to get in it for four. And I'm like, <laughs> oh. um, so hats off. I mean, you, you're exactly right. It, that growth, you know, you just don't even think about it till you step back and you're like, man, I hate it to run nine miles. Now I run yeah. nine miles. That's like, that's like shoot if i run nine miles that's probably like my shortest run you know i guess yeah. <laughs> that's awesome right? yeah yeah <laughs> all right matt go right ahead sir all right we got uh we got a bunch of questions but we've covered a lot of them so i'll just do those real quick so we can go ahead and you know check those off uh you just asked uh he just asked you what got you into youtubing and you say what get people from the road to the trails um, we went over, did you roll or break your ankle in your first <laughs> business? 
And I believe you tore a ligament. That's right. Tore his hand in. That's right. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, somebody asked, when you won the fort, was it harder than expected? We already covered that. All right. Let's see. Uh, what kind of strength training do you do? So now, uh, a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, it's a little every Mondays is uh, kind of like a core activation day where it's a lot of um, planks and maybe just some lunges, different variations on planks and uh, just building the core kind of stuff. And it's a lighter day. Typically Wednesdays and Fridays are my strength days where you know, I'm lifting weights and uh, it's anything from, you know, just, I'm still in the early phases. I, I think I'm now in week three with my strength coach. So we're maybe week four. Um, so we're getting into out of the building phase where he wanted to make sure I wasn't going to hurt myself and get into some actual weights. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's anything from I'm doing jump squats, um, jump lunges with dumbbells, box jumps, jumping on the BOSU balls, uh, different lunges, um, lots of different things. Um, yeah, a lot, I mean, just a lot of different things. I'm about to get into a more specific uh, throwing heavier weights around now. So I'm looking forward to that. Have you started to enjoy any of it yet? Yeah, I do. I like it. I do enjoy it. I mean, I, I it, you can't tell now, but like I worked out a lot in like 2005, 2006. I mean, I was like, I was a lot bigger. I was benching 245. Um, now I probably couldn't even bench 185. I don't even know. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, uh, it, but I was a lot bigger back then. So I, I like the gym. It's just running took that, took over and I, I love running and I still love running the most, but I do enjoy the gym. I see, I see the benefit of it. And I know that it's valuable to me as a runner. Yeah. yeah. When you lived in Tennessee, where did you live? I lived in Knoxville for a few years, and then I lived in uh, a small town called Clark Range, which is just south of uh, Jamestown, Tennessee, which is very near where no business starts. Yep. Then yeah. I lived in Deer Lodge, which is just 30 minutes from Frozen Head. That's why I was every weekend I'd be at Frozen Head State Park training. Cool. So why did you move to Colorado? I mean, it's Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly, that's really why uh, we moved because the mountains, the weather, um, just some better opportunities. I, mean, I have the same job I had before because I work remote. So I have that luxury of being able to do the same thing. And mm. I have to find a new job. But uh, yeah, the weather was a big, big, big factor for us. Uh, you know, like I said, I, my wife's also an ultra runner. My kids <laughs> like to do things outside. Uh, and just in Tennessee, you guys know this firsthand. You can't go out in the spring, the summer, the early fall and do a three mile run without being drenched in sweat because the humidity is just crazy. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I wanted to get away from that and get to a better, uh, better uh, temperatures and weather. Even the winters here aren't that bad. And so, and plus, I mean, literally, I can look out my master bedroom window and I have an awesome view of Pikes Peak. Uh, it's right there, so it's. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I'm I'm 20 minutes to get to some serious trails where I can go up to 14,000 feet. So can't beat that. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I yeah. went to Pox <laughs> Peak uh, right before my daughter was born in 2014, and uh, it was nice. really cool. And these these two ladies were actually bicycling from the bottom all the way to the top. 
and they oh, had just wow. they had just made it once we got up there. I'm like, what crazy person does this? <laughs> then I then I found out they got a race that climbs up, and I'm like, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> yep. Uh, okay, so the longest distance you've done would have been at the 48 hour ozone. Right, 136 miles. Yep. Gonna gonna beat that this year though. Oh yeah, 200. Yes, Might absolutely. At the backyard. That's yeah. true. That's very true. Yeah. I sure hope so. Uh, since you've done a lot of, of East coast and West coast, uh, how do you compare them? Well, my West coast experience so far has just been the three Leadville races, which are lifetime races. And then I did the one race in California and I've done one race out in Oregon, um, which the, the California race was a Spartan race. So it's kind of the same as lifetime, big, big box race company. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely prefer the smaller race director experience. Um, you know, whether it's the, you feel, feel that personal connection and, mm -hmm. and my experience so far, um, is just with the bigger stuff out West. I haven't really gotten any of the local smaller races yet. Uh, but hopefully this year I've got a couple on the calendar. Well, I mean, the 200 miler is a small race, but that's put on by probably the largest race director in the <laughs> In the country, I think he, he, I think he has the most ultra races that he directs of any race director. Um, oh, yeah. It's it's ridiculous. So, but but they have a very small feel. So hopefully that'll be good. But yeah, East Coast races that I did, you know, no business was the the prime. I, I love that race. It's that's when I think of like what a race should be like. I always compare it to no business. That's my that's my litmus test. So, uh, yeah, I love the East Coast style. Cool. Uh, so your hardest race for you would have been Leadville with the altitude? Yeah, Leadville with the altitude, definitely. Okay, let's see. Uh, I'm going to some of your YouTube stuff. Uh, what has been one of the coolest products that you've reviewed on YouTube? Hmm. That's a good question. Coolest product. I mean, I, I review a ton of shoes, and shoes are cool. Um, but probably one of the most useful things, I guess, that I've reviewed from a, a running recovery standpoint is maybe that sauna blanket. Um, I I'm, use that. I've seen your videos or your posts of that thing. That thing looks cool. Dude, I love that thing. After, especially like after a cold run outside when it's, you know, 20 degrees, you come back and hop in that thing to warm up and your muscles feel all awesome. That's been really cool. I love that. Um, some of the watches that I've reviewed, uh, have been really nice too, but, uh, just been a lot of, a lot of reviews. So it's kind of hard to narrow it down to the coolest, but, um, yeah, maybe, maybe the sauna blanket. Okay. Um, uh, how do you get your products, uh, to review on YouTube? So when I was first on our first in my first two years, uh, you know, a lot smaller, it was a lot of me begging companies, <laughs> reaching out, you know, doing a lot of Googling, trying to find out who a PR agency was for Hoka or who handled the PR for Solomon and then contacting those companies and just pleading, Hey, I'd love to review a pair of your shoes on my channel. And a lot of that. Um, now it's pretty much companies reach out to me and, and request to send me products. Um, I have a really awesome, awesome relationships with Hoka, Solomon, uh, Saucony, Koros, uh, really good relationships with them. I 
you know, gnarly nutrition that, you know, I can just, I can just email my rep and be like, Hey, uh, you know, I know that there's a shoe coming out in a few months. Um, if you, whenever you get a sample, you know, I'd love to test it. And next thing I know, there's like a pair of shoes on my front door in a couple of days, you know, to, to test. So uh, I, I still communicate with them, but newer brands, a lot of the time, it's pretty much, they reach out to me and ask me if I would review something for them. And I can even tell you like the number of companies that reach out to review products that are not anywhere related to running whatsoever. Like they, they clearly have no clue who I am or what I do. And they're just, they just see maybe that I'm on YouTube and they shoot me an email and for a woman's dress or jewelry or like, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like every day I get emails from these companies. They, to like they just see products. that you have 20,000 subscribers. That's yep. all they say. Yeah. Well, it's that, that was happening since I had like 10,000 subscribers probably. Mm -hmm. but it's just, it's ridiculous. The amount of stuff I turn away. <laughs> uh, so if you ever decide to, to test and, a dress in an ultra, just let me know. I'll personally come video that. <laughs> that would definitely make a good video though. Yeah. That would probably get you a lot of subscribers. You know, maybe I need to rethink that. <laughs> uh, let's see. I believe that's all I have. You? Oh, awesome. Steven, do you have any questions for us? No, I don't think. I mean, I know, uh, you guys put on some awesome races. I've only done the one that you guys put on the Fort Frenzy. I was signed up to do the um, to volunteer with you guys one year uh, at the uh, uh, what is it the eleven mile thirty three mile race you guys do yeah, Don Loco. That's it. Yep. But then that was the year that there was like uh, I think it was a tornado or something that happened like the week before the race and it got canceled. It happened um, the day of the race. Yeah, the day of. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Uh, so, but I know you guys put on some awesome events and, uh, Fort Frenzy was also aided very well. You guys, aid stations were awesome. And just the support you guys give the runners. I mean, David, well, you. you were literally, you were literally crewing me. Basically you were filling my bottles for me and getting me stuff from the aid station. It was, it was awesome. So anybody out there that's wanting to run an ultra or even a non-ultra race, I know you guys do this too. I definitely recommend you guys. It's awesome stuff. Well, thank, thank you. you. And, and we'll have to get you out when we get our, uh, you know, we're trying to put on this hundred miler in Cher in the Cherokee National Forest. So okay. we'll have a we're we're working on the hundred k and fifty k this year. Then we're adding the hundred miler next year. So when we when we get everything final, we're gonna uh, we're gonna recruit you to come out here and run it. We want you to come join us. That sounds fun. Hey, that we sounds need, like a fun day. We need feedback. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the yeah. best. We, we need some honest feedback, and yeah. we know you'll give it to us. Yep. Oh yeah, that's that's one thing I pride myself on is being honest. I just had a um, a big brand uh, for a product I reviewed uh, very recently is a, a very, very large brand um, want to review my video before I published it. And I told them, no, I was like, I'm not, I said, I'm, I'm not comfortable with you guys seeing my, my review beforehand is like, I pride myself on always giving honest, unbiased reviews. And they may not send me another product in the future <laughs> because of that. But, but to me, that's worth it. Like, you know, I want, I want people that come to my channel to know that they can expect honest feedback. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to be bought out by some brand trying to make me say something good about their product if I don't think it's good. Well, that's yeah. the whole reason you're doing the reviews. Yep. You know, your subscribers want to know whether or not they should try it. So. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want to tell somebody something's good and they buy it and they hate it. And they're like, oh, well, Stephen told me to buy this. It was good. No. Yeah. I want you guys to, if, yeah. if it works for me, like I don't like the uh, speed lane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't like the speed lane shoes at all. 
but I know there's tons of people out there that love them. It just doesn't work for my feet. So, you know, that's it, when you cut the uh, insole piece, did it work any better? I know I noticed it's that. Okay. Yeah, it's helped. I mean, I haven't run through water yet. They haven't been wet since then. Yeah. Um, I, I do still wear them though, and it, they do seem to work pretty well. Cool. Well, Stephen, man, thank you so much for your time. Uh, for people that don't follow Stephen, check out his YouTube channel, uh, Ultra Trail Stephen, or follow him on Instagram. But uh, he does have pretty good reviews, and you can definitely, if you want to see the Leadville 100, uh, some of the trail and the race, he's got a pretty good documentary on there. Um, but yeah, definitely check him out, follow him. Steven, thank you so much for your time, man. We appreciate it. Thanks, well, David. David, Matt, appreciate it, guys.